Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Charles Jenkins is a celebrated hitmaker, label head, and indie music mogul, with hundreds of millions of streams and views combined. He has earned a combined 18 Billboard number ones, nine Stella Awards, Grammy recognition, a Soul Train Music Award nomination, seven Dove Music Award nominations, nine BMI Top Songwriter Award, and closed 2022 with the Billboard number one song of the year for gospel airplay. Up next on Celebs Event, we've got Charles Jenkins. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your life? I am in Chicago, Illinois, in the U.S., Mm -hmm. and... I'm doing fantastic. It's a wild world in this particular season. I call it a running season. I'm not in a resting season. As I talk about in a book I, I wrote called Seasons and lots um, is happening. I got a brand new EP out called Gospel Music Changed My Life. I have a, a movie that just dropped on Peacock, the Peacock Network Network um, called Praise This. Uh, I was a part of that movie team and I've got some fashion in the making, so lots of fun stuff to lift people up and move people forward. Wow, excellent. So we're going to dive into all those elements shortly. But before then, let's rewind and take it all the way back. When did the entertainment world call you and what inspired you and motivated you to join it? And tell us the hybrid version of the Charles Jenkins entertainment journey. Extraordinary. So as a kid, I grew up both in and around the church. I actually, uh, after my father passed away when I, when I was around 10 years old, I was just trying to figure out what manhood was. Fast forward, I missed more days of school than I should have, skipping school. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day, uh, as I would catch the bus to school, walk through the school, jump in my homeboy's car, uh, and hang out all day. One day I'm walking through the school. My teachers head me off. They do an intervention on me, <laughs> take me into a conference room, give me a great talking to, uh, lecture me. And then they give me a hall monitor to make sure I would attend class. They give me a tutor to make sure I do my homework. They give me a guidance counselor to make sure my head is on straight and I'm thinking right. And then for punishment, they put me in gospel choir. So from a journey standpoint, um, it is actually gospel choir, which was intended to be a form of detention or time out. That's where I really formally begin to engage music. Um, I would say in a formal way, I started writing songs when I was 14 years old, all of my relatives, most of them played some instrument. My uncle Chester Washington was a member of Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh, yes, of uh, course. Yes. Yes. And fast forward, um, I ended up going from singing in the choir to having my own choir. And I would write music as a hobby. I took seven years of classical piano as a child between the ages of five and 12. And at 21, I ended up being named the pastor of 
uh, a influential church in the city of Chicago mm-hmm. that was steeped in gospel music. My predecessor, gospel music pioneer, Reverend Clay Evans, over 20, 20 something albums. Any given Sunday, you could come to church and Aretha Franklin might be singing at church. Wow. Helia Jackson sang regularly on Sunday nights. Um, Sam Cooke was in the choir. You name them. There, there's so many. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. could be there any given Sunday and on, on and on. And so after I took over the church, when I got there, 80 percent of the church was 75 or older. I'm 24 uh, now as the pastor officially. And I had a thousand new 20 somethings join. So I had this big generational gap, varying preferences musically varying approaches to singing and an appreciation for um, style. And so I was just a pastor trying to figure out how to get two starkly different generations to all sing together and appreciate music together uniformly. And I was trying to get friends to write some music we all could agree on and sing together And I had written a song called Awesome, affectionately called My God is Awesome, among many other songs that were just devotional songs that we would sing around my house with my family. Long story short, uh, to get us singing together, God placed this idea on my heart to make an album. And so I made this album. I wrote most of it, got a couple of my team members to write some songs. I gave Awesome away in January of 2012. Um, to get the song, you had to give me your email address. I got 20,000 email addresses in a month. Um, people were sharing it like crazy. We put it up for sale the second month on iTunes. Sales were just starting to decline in the music business mm-hmm. as it pertains to downloading. I sold 34,000 that first month. Fast forward, I dropped the full album that June of 2012. I'm told I'm the third artist in gospel music to debut with a double number one, number one album and number one single. Walmart, uh, who was one of the sponsors of Essence Fest in America, one of the largest music festivals, they called and said that they would like to sponsor uh, me as an artist and have me uh, perform as a Walmart artist on their stage twice on the main stage that Sunday. The head of Live Nation and Jay-Z's manager called and Invited me to perform at Made in America. Um, a famous pastor in the U.S., Joel Osteen, his team, Israel Holton at the time, called and said, Joel wants you to come to Lakewood. And it just spawned out of control. And I will never forget at the end of the year, I went to Motown, who was distributing me, Motown Gospel, and I said, guys, this was great, but it's not in my comfort zone out of my wheelhouse. I'm going back to my regular life. Uh, I'm out. Thank you. This was great. This is fun. I enjoyed it. They were like, no, the executives <laughs> like, no, Larry Blackwell, the VP. It's like, you got millions of fans. You're so many people's favorite singer. And we need more from you, more singing, more narrating, more songwriting. And 11 years later, I'm still here. And it is I would say expanded in ways that I've never either dreamed or prayed for. I love your energy and I love the story. It's absolutely beautiful. When they said, you know, you needed to stay, was it a quick 
thought to say, okay, I'm going to stay? Or was it a while of convincing that they needed to give, uh, give you before you changed your mind? It was personal, internal lamenting because number one, I never, I never had seen myself as a singer um, formerly before in my life. I've never wanted to be a singer. I've never wanted to be an artist. As a senior pastor in Chicago, my focus and commitment was um, empowering people spiritually, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, vocationally. A good job creation, economic development, community revitalization, public safety, health care. Um, I had the privilege to serve on U.S. President Barack Obama's steering committee when he ran for president. Um, sat on tons of boards in the city, um, helping to bring retail to communities to change the landscape and yeah. create opportunities and improve people's quality of life. Being an artist didn't fit into the framework of who I thought I was ever going to be or what I was ever going to be. And so once I was thrust into it, I'll never forget. I was number one on Billboard on the gospel charts. My first big appearance and I was closing the show. And at sound check, the sound man says, how do you like your wedges? And I said, with bacon and blue cheese. And <laughs> yes. he says, no, the, the monitors on the floor, the speakers, so you can hear yourself. I said, oh, man, I don't know how I like them. I just want to be able to hear myself. I'm deaf out of my left ear. Just make it loud on the right for me where I hear myself. He said, you don't know what wedges are and you're number one? I said, correct. I have no idea. I don't know why I'm here or how I'm here, but I'm here. Just make it where I can hear myself. Um, so that, that was the story of my journey in closing big shows like a BET celebration of gospel. I'll never forget Uncle Charlie. Charlie Wilson's performing Tyrese is performing, Tank is performing, Yolanda Adams, Kurt Franklin, Donnie McClurkin, just all of the biggest stars in the world, and I'm closing the show. Man, I'm scared out of my mind. Like, I'm sitting <laughs> in my seat. I can't yeah. even enjoy the performances. Yeah. I'm like, please, Lord, don't let me fall down in front of everybody. <laughs> please don't let me forget my words to my own song. Yeah. So, so having to do that over and over and over and over and over, by the time I got to the end of the year, I was like, okay, I'm jumping out of the airplane, no okay. parachute. You guys can have the plane. So so I was trying to, and there may be some people listening who have to embrace this concept and this idea. There's a beautiful passage of scripture in Amos 7, I believe it is. It says, my father wasn't a prophet. My grandfather wasn't a prophet. God took me from the back and put me in the front. I, I, I was just a farmer. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I'm going a long way to say that sometimes you're in a comfort zone yeah. and there's something else that you were designed to create it to do mm -hmm. that may not be in your heritage, your bloodline or your lineage but you are to break out of the box yes. and do something uncommon to your natural flow of life. And you have to recondition yourself, reinvent yourself, mm -hmm. 
rethink and ultimately turn into something you have never wanted to be because you're supposed to do something you've never done. And and that takes a lot of internal fighting and wrestling, especially when you've been doing other things consistently and maybe even successfully for some time. And now you have to reroute. It's like, woo. And what you're speaking of also, and I've heard a lot of people mention, is that imposter syndrome. It's the success and everything's happening. And it's like, is this actually me? Am I supposed to be here, like with the wedges and that? And like, how did I get you? And it's that whole concept that you've explained, which is, I've heard a lot of artists and a lot of people speak about it. Oh, completely. Here's the rocket science. The rocket science is, and it's a number of things, but it's one, recognizing when you were actually in a new season, when you were comfortable in the previous season. The second part of that is actually coming to grips that you are something other than what you have been and becoming comfortable in a suit you've never worn before that doesn't feel like it quite fits. Yeah. While everyone else is looking at you saying, that looks amazing on you. (laughs) I love the analogy. That's so brilliant. You give me a lot of aha moments while we're talking. So thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, yes. No, but it's real life, right? It's like like everybody else is like, I can't wait for him to come out on stage. And I'm like, I'm mortified. Like I'm backstage, <laughs> like and having to get into something yes. that you have not come to grips with the fact is on the inside of you. Exactly. You got it, but you don't yet feel it. Yeah, And it took me some time. It took me a long time. It took me years, actually. Uh, I'll never forget. I was invited to sing on a cruise in the U.S. There's a, a massive urban radio network called Radio One. And they also yeah. have a TV network called TV One. Yeah. And they have a cruise. And <laughs> me and my wife get to the cruise. I'm one of the featured performers. I'm number one at the time on Billboard. And I go stand in the in the regular line. And I'm standing in the regular yeah. line to check in for the cruise. And all of the people in the line are like, oh, my God, Charles Jenkins. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, people are freaking out. Can I have a picture? Can I have a And it's hysteria. Yes. And people are like, wait, what are you doing in this line? You shouldn't be in the check-in over here. There's a VIP. I'm like, I'm not a VIP. They're like, no, like. There's another line. So they're like, they all jump me. Get out of this line. Get So I go. <laughs> And I, I go over to the VIP line and the lady says your name. I said, Charles Jenkins. She says, um, are you an artist? Are you a musician? Are you press? I said, I guess I'm an artist. And she pulls up my shoes like, you're like, you're a performing artist. You're one of the headliners of the, get over here. And I'm like, I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, I'm an artist. Wow. <laughs> Ah, I love that. It's brilliant. And the way that I interact with people and I get the feeling that you are the same. And I use this analogy, like my friends laugh at me and my colleagues laugh at me. You know what? Not literally, but figuratively, we all use two-ply toilet paper. No one's got gold-plated toilet paper. No one's, uh, <laughs> no one's got gold blood. Everyone's blood is red. So for me, the same way I treat you is the same way I treat that lady down there, down there. Everyone's equal. And I gather from you that you are the same. 
Oh, yes, completely. I mean, I think that that's what makes it fun for me um, that I, I, I'm I probably more consumer than I am artist. So I relate more as the common man um, in many respects um, because even when I make my music, I make music from a place of practical humanity. Yep. It's not that I'm up here and you're down there. It's mm-hmm. I'm right here with you and I feel you and I understand you and I relate to you. And I think in one sense, um, that's kind of why I've been blessed to have some songs that have had wide appeal. And people say to me, well, how how did you know exactly how I was thinking or feeling or all of us? One is God knows what I don't and he can give me that mail. Two is though, separately I'm a person. Yeah. I remember one time I was in the grocery store and somebody was like, Charles Jenkins, what are you doing in here in the grocery store? <laughs> I was like, I got eat two. Yeah. And I like inspect my tomatoes. <laughs> and I like to take a of my cabbages too. Like I want to, <laughs> I don't want anybody just bringing me. Yeah. I want to, I want to make sure my lemons are all yellow with no brown spots on them. I want to uh, love it. Yes. <laughs> You're cracking me up full time. <laughs> So speaking of that, tell us your creative process. When you write a song, you spoke that it comes through you, et cetera, et cetera. But every time you create a new song, is it easy every time? What inspires it? What motivates it? So my creative process is as spiritual as it is practical. And what I mean by that with simplicity is lots of my friends decide I'm going to write a song today. I'm going to do a writing session and block out from one to four o'clock. I write songs randomly at any given moment, at any given time, at any given place. And it's my household has been very funny over the years because I can just receive a download, an idea, and it's like water rushing down on me. Like I hear the music, I see the lyrics, And I ultimately can almost in my mind's eye see the crowd singing and I can't write fast enough. Like it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Like I go into zone and, you know, I can see my wife. I remember one time we took our kids to a a fun uh, place for kids game room called Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) And I'm waiting for the kids to get in the car. And a song comes and I'm like in the car, like looking for paper and scrambling. And I started scribbling and they're getting in the car. My wife is like, like, like hushing the kids. Like, and that has happened so many times. I've written songs in airplanes at the baggage claim, waiting for my bags. I, at one time I was dancing all around uh, the conveyor belt at baggage claim. (laughs) Full song and people are looking at me like, what's going on with him? And I'm completely writing a song. And for me, I feel like I'm receiving a download and I'm receiving these ideas um, inspirationally from God to my heart and my mind. There is no other way to explain. And here's the way I say it, because people say to me all the time, you've written so many big songs. uh, How? And I like to say that if you stay close to the creator, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, you can stay creative. 
You can stay innovative. You might not get the exact same ideas. One idea might hit bigger than the other. One idea might be far reaching than the other. But you can stay creative if you stay close to the creator. And it just kind of hits me randomly. I love this game. My recipients don't always like it. And you'll understand why in the moment. I know that if I had to ask you this question in two days, two hours, two weeks, I know your answer will be different every time. And it, as it should be, once we finish this interview and you had to press play to five songs by other artists, what would those five songs be? PYT by Michael Jackson, Bad Mamma Jamma by Carl Carlton, Outstanding by Charlie Wilson and the Gap Band. Uh, that's three, two more. Uh, Definitely, uh, I'm a big Whitney Houston fan. Mm-hmm. So which Whitney Houston song do I want? I want to dance with somebody. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw you a curveball. What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. Wow. Tell us a little bit more now about the movie that you have coming out. Um, It's called Praise This. Um, It is a singing competition, praise team competition bet- okay. between multiple groups. Yeah. It's what I would call uh, an urban pitch perfect. And we took uh, the biggest songs in hip hop and gospelized them. Oh, wow. Uh, superstar producer Will Packer, a very celebrated, uh, iconic director, Tina Gordon, uh, our executive music producer, Harvey Mason, and music supervisor, Derek Big Tank Thornton, um, and the stars, Chloe Bailey. Uh, Quavo from the Migos, um, gospel superstars, Corinne Hawthorne, Jacqueline Carr, uh, Drewski, the superstar comedian. It's finding your story. Um, mm-hmm. It's pictures and images of the person who is faith-filled and the person who is trying to find their place in the world and ultimately finds her voice and finds faith, the inspiration to do great things in the world and it's a great little movie. It's called Praise This. It's on Peacock. And I was very fortunate to be a part of the team. It was my first feature film to be a part of the team. So I came in knowing nothing. Um, and I learned so much on the fly. It's like being thrown in the deep end of the pool. So that's that's out right now on Peacock. Brilliant. And finally, your new music that's coming out. Tell us a little bit about that. It's called Gospel Music Changed My Life, the new EP. Um, it harkens back to the story of when I was put in gospel choir as a kid uh, on punishment. I wanted to do some old soul music, um, hopefully timeless music. Um, it's some 80s feeling music. I did a song called Sunny Day that's kind of jazzy, has, has R&B overtones. And it's a feel good reminder of what it means to be full of joy and and full of happiness no matter what the weather report says, both environmentally and personally. We can have dark and dim seasons and moments, but it's a feel-good record that pushes you beyond the pain and uh, leads you and lifts you beyond what life can try to do to us sometimes, and that's try to lower us. Um, I did a big immemorial anthem. It's called Someday. Uh, Oftentimes we lose people we love, and I felt like we needed some music that could put a smile on our heart, mm. even though sometimes there could be tears in our eyes. And to make us feel good 
as we think about the people who we will love forever that have gone on. And um, so someday is just a celebratory song of the people um, who we've lost, but will live with us forever. And the rest of the record is, is just, it's all old soul music, you know, feel good, inspirational, empowering, encouraging records. Gospel music changed my life. And I'm adding four songs this summer. And uh, hopefully if we get it all done, the legendary Al Green is supposed to be on one of the songs. Wow. With me, so. I'm holding thumbs for you and toes and everything. <laughs> He's a greedy word. It's a matter of getting the legend into the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Charles, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. As a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Keep hope alive. Um, I think it's so much to discourage, so much to disparage, so much to just kind of drain us of everything good, but believe beyond what you see, do beyond what you've done and know that anything is possible if you can believe and we are better together. Teamwork makes mm -hmm. the dream work.